This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first take a listen to this other fine OPI show. On this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, we interview the author of such hits like Only Dead on the Inside, A Parent's Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse, and France Like No One's Watching, we interview James Breakwell. Listen to Minutia Men Celebrity Interview on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast and Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon. Luke Hostable is taking a little time off, but he'll be back uh, soon enough. And right now we've uh, got Roger Rexroad, our man in the field, is back uh, on the program. We just uh, last episode talked about uh, modern muscle cars and, and Roger being a modern kind of guy. We're going to take some uh, time to talk about modern classics here on this episode of the Car Guys Report. Wanted to welcome Roger back. You're out uh, from the field and in the uh, home office or wherever you are at your home. We're doing this via the phone. So if you hear a few extraneous noises in the background, uh, do not readjust your uh, your listening device. Things are okay because that's the way we're doing podcasts in this crazy world that uh, we live in uh, right now. But we'd like to welcome Welcome back, uh, Roger, for taking the time out of his busy schedule and, you know, uh, would like to uh, say that it's a modern discussion once again. Uh, Roger, um, you, to me, tend to be a guy that kind of likes cars that are a little more modern versus like the classics from the 50s. Am I correct in that? Because I know that you like some of the stuff that I have that's older, but not necessarily you always talk about. Corvettes and muscle cars and modern classics and hey you're driving a modern classic right now what a Hyundai X uh, XL <laughs> what is it again it, no it's a, it's a it's an Elantra Sport, Elantra that's I, it yeah there, there are no classic I know Hyundai cars I'm being yet. facetious so <laughs> but I mean do you where, where do you feel most comfortable in your wheelhouse as far as as cars are concerned I'm very comfortable with the the original formula of classic muscle cars from okay. 1964 to 72. But okay. I mean, it, my dream cars would be uh, the old muscle cars, but with a modern drivetrain because I want to drive them and enjoy them and not have to wrench on them because I am not mechanically inclined. Well, that's one thing that I, I did actually neglect to talk about in the episode we just had on Modern Muscle, so I'll, I'll touch on it very briefly, and I don't want to get into a big knockdown drag out, but I've been actually <laughs> talking about this fact with a, with a couple of friends of mine and even my girlfriend. I was saying, like, you know, I just paid, you know, low 40s for my um, uh, Challenger. Brand new car, warranty, power, uh, safety, airbags, uh, electronic, you know, multimedia integration, everything you could you could pretty much want in a, in a car. Why would you spend two, three, four times that amount to get a resto mod? 
because what are you really gaining with the Restomod? You're not going to get airbags. You're not going to get crumple zones. You're going to get you know, high-quality brakes you know, with a Willwood brake system. You're going to get a custom interior, but there's a lot of things you're not going to get, and really the only thing that you would get a, above my car is that, that look. But is that look really worth three times the price? It is, in my opinion. Really, I can. You want me to? You want me to elaborate? That's briefly. No briefly. That. Okay. Well, no offense to your car. Your no. Car is go ahead. I, you can say anything you it's want. Absolute. It's massive. It you is massive. Yeah. Car, you park your car next to a '71 Cuda, and it I'm, dwarfs I'm, it. <laughs> I, it. I want the '71 Cuda with your with a Hellcat drivetrain with 18 inch uh, the Hemi rally wheels. And you can get the modern brakes. I don't. And you can get it with a. You can have it done up with ABS and and stuff like that. Yeah. But you get you you basically get the best of both worlds. Because there is absolutely no denying the looks of the classic muscle car versus the new car. Yeah. I, that's just my opinion. Okay. I, I, I'm sorry, but if, like like in my in the, in the last episode, I said I like the Heritage Edition. That said. You give me a, a regular '65 GT350 in Wimbledon white with the with the blue stripes, and give me that modern drivetrain, and yeah, it's going to cost four times what that car costs. I I prefer the smaller looks, and you know some of the chrome trim, and I mean because on the older cars, the chrome trim, that's what they were. They to me, the proportions are much nicer on the older cars because mm-hmm. they're smaller. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting because. Um here at the Car Guys Report warehouse, I've got a uh, a neighbor who is hopefully will be on the program at some point in the future who's actually building, having a Restomod uh, built right now as we speak. It's been in production now for a little bit over a year, and he's hoping that, well, I don't know when it's going to be finished, but hopefully within the next at least six to eight months, he's uh, building a, a 55 Chevy. Um, he's got a Morrison chassis. He's got a, a he's going to have an LT four or whatever you know some big modern LT engine in it with a four L sixty or four L eighty e tranny, and, mm-hmm. and you know Willwood brakes, all the stuff. So I mean, it's going to have the look, and I'm excited to have him on the program when his car is done because I want to have a program hopefully about you know here you are you know you're you've built a resto mod let's talk about that what's the experience like you know what did you have to go through it'll be a great episode but i showed him recently i showed him the uh, challenger and um you know he likes it and everything because he's a american mainly an american car guy but you know one thing he did say is he goes this thing is like he goes this, and I even said, "I said this car is huge." And he goes, "Yeah, I swear it's like one third larger than the original <laughs> Challenger." And I think he's right. You know, Isn't I've me? never, yeah, yeah, I've never compared, you know, inch by inch the specs. But yeah, that is the thing that it, it's a big car, and I can understand what you're saying. You like kind of the smaller, uh, more proportionate dimensions, I guess, is what uh, what if we're you saying. Have the money. If you have the money, yeah, he's going to be are, he's going to be yeah. well into six figures on his car. I mean, there's there's no there's no two ways about it. But what I was going to say though is, if you have the money, it's no compromise. You have that modern car built exactly one hundred percent the way you want. Exactly, it. yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah, you do. You do have to pay up. But I just wanted to touch on that briefly. Um, 
And obviously you have strong opinions about it. And I have nothing against resto mods, but it's just when you really look, start looking at the dollar figures, that's when it really kind of opens your eyes to how much you can get in a modern car. But it is, yeah. Passion purchase. The money doesn't matter if you have it. It does not matter. Exactly. If you like the Car Guys Report, be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. It's Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, available on Spotify. You can go to opishows.com. You can also email us anytime you want. Our uh, email address is uh, always available, and our inbox is always open. Car Guys Report at hotmail.com. Send your flames, send your congrats, send your kudos, send your criticisms. Anything you want, let us uh, know about it at carguysreport at hotmail.com. Mark Vernon along with uh, Roger Rexroad, our man in the field, and uh, definitely in air-conditioned comfort uh, in his uh, studio coom uh, car guy cave, wherever he is. I can just imagine he's probably got his feet propped up on the table in his uh, t-shirt and his uh, shorts and Drinking, what was it, a ruby red Sprite? (laughs) Squirt. Squirt, that's it, yeah. Ruby red squirt, that grapefruit uh, flavor. Uh, We're talking about modern classics here on the uh, Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Now, I will say, I'll start my, what I consider to be a modern, my definition of a modern classic. And that would be, to me, a car that's probably come out in the last, and this might be stretching it for some people, last 20 25 years or so that uh, is collectible. It doesn't always have to be totally what you would consider to be collectible. And collectability can run the gamut. It can be, um, you know, a plain Jane car that they didn't make very many of because it was a base model. Or it can be a car that they had very limited production on. You just don't know what exactly is going to constitute collectability, but just something that, to me, there's certain things in life that are classics or iconic things. Like a, like my mom always used to say, like you know, the navy blue blazer. And we're not talking about the truck; we're talking about the the, the sport jacket. You know, the navy blue blazer with brass buttons never goes out of style and that's basically true there's certain things that just are enduring and for a modern a car to be considered a modern classic at least in my definition is is a car a model a design that is just basically they they did everything right and you know this car whether it was from a performance standpoint a look standpoint um that it's something that is going to be enduring for generations to come. And that would usually equate with a certain amount of collectability and desirability on the um, in the motoring uh, populace and the car guy type enthusiast uh, uh, population. So stuff that would come to mind just right away um, we'll talk about this in a little bit i mean there's any kind any number of the exotic cars of course like lamborghinis and and, and modern ferraris um there's a, a handful of porsches that could fall into that um maybe some uh, mercedes models but then there's a lot of other interesting things which will which I made a, a slight list. I didn't do a ton of background on this because I wanted to kind of see where we're going to go with it, Roger, as far as our, mm-hmm. our pros and cons. Sure. But what is your definition of a uh, modern classic? Well, a lot of people like to use that 25-year rule, which you, you're, you know, I think you're kind of going around about a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'll, go with, I'll go with everybody's favorite whipping boy on, this, on our channel here, the 911. Okay. It, 25 years ago... 
is when the last air-cooled 911 came out. Mm-hmm. That's an instant. It's an instant classic yeah. because it is the last air-cooled Porsche 911. So, but you could fudge the numbers and go back a little a little further to some of the the Audi, you know, Air Quattro, yep. Sport Quattro, which is. 10 years before that. So it, it, it's a pretty gray area. It really depends on what we're talking about. Even the Ferraris, the 599-612, which please don't quote me on this. I'm sure we'll get the emails with the correction. But I think the last uh, proper manual gearbox Ferrari were the 599s. That's an instant classic because it was the last three-pedal Ferraris, you know, So and, and that's gone away. So, you know, there's... It really, it's really case by case. What what's going to be? What makes it a classic? Not so much the year, but you can start with the year and then go from there. Well, I think the year has a lot to do with it, though, because sure. things have changed so much in the last twenty or thirty years compared to you know car twenty or thirty years previous to you know this arbitrary cutoff. But in, even in the last episode, we we kind of both said that we don't think that. Um, a Corvette is a mo- is a modern muscle it's car not. or a muscle car. It's, it's not, not. I know. Never. I know. But we did touch on the ZR1, and to me, that's a modern classic because it sure. was uh, a groundbreaking at the time when the C4 came out. It was a groundbreaking design, but then they put this exotic at the time engine into it. They didn't make a whole lot of them, and they're affordable now too, which is surprising. Surprising, but I think that is is kind of an instant modern classic because it's got a lot of the modern accoutrements on it like ABS brakes and things like that, but then it's got this incredibly cool engine in it, and it's just something that kind of extends that definition of, okay, this is a modern car, but it's kind of a classic car car now, too, because of that uh, combination of of design and and things like that. Now, current modern classics, you touched on the 911, so you're you're cut off for, for for the at least for the Porsche 911, would be the air-cooled cars. You don't think any of the liquid-cooled models um, fit into the uh, into the modern classic uh, genre? Mm, I, they're a little new. Like, I would, I mean, eventually people are, you know, the, the people are going to come around on the 996. I, I know the headlight. I'm one of the headlight guys that don't. That, know, that, I, that I, I would it, say, is will never be a modern classic. The only. It might. They're coming up. They're they are coming, coming up. up. I know because they're super cheap right now, and and they're, they're so weird looking in Ferrari, front. Yeah, once upon a time the Ferrari uh, uh, 355 was not a very uh, desirable car, and those cars are gaining momentum. It's yeah. a great looking car. It's small, get gated shifter. The 996. I'm sorry, I, I love 911s, and unfortunately that was the first water cooled car. I really wish they would have did something better with the headlights. I, I know a lot of people bag on it because of the headlights and for me i am one of those people i cannot get past those headlights I, you that, know i fried egg look i just can't do that and then they fixed it on the 997 yeah but and before and before i bought my my 2011 uh porsche 911 which is a 997.2 i was mm-hmm. looking at the 996s and i was scared away by that the whole stuff with the ims bearings and stuff but i never liked the front end and it's weird because you would think that there'd be all kinds of like aftermarket kits to fix that 
fried headlight look and I couldn't find anything. I found maybe like one obscure thing, but it wasn't anything that was like, you know, just take the fenders off and put these new ones on and pop these headlight pods in and you're set. And it just surprises me because that, that is so universally panned and the cars, you know, they made enough of them and the car has been around long enough now that you would think that somebody somewhere would have, you know, developed a, a retro fit kit for the front end of that car. And it does, just doesn't seem like it exists. So that surprised it's be me. One of those cars, it's going to be one of those cars going forward. Like right now there's, there's uh, the camp of people like myself that don't like the Friday headlight look. And there's people that love it. But it, 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 when you look back in history, there's been a lot of cars that we've all seen that were like, what were they thinking? And then you look, and then now you're like, hey, that's pretty cool. So maybe in 15, 20 years, it'll be more appreciated. It could be. I, I mean, even a car, and this will sound weird, but even a car like a Pinto and a Vega, if you look at the, and a Maverick, if you look at those cars now, I honestly think those cars, even though they were crap throwaway cars back in the day, they have aged remarkably well, 45, almost 50 years on. If you look at a Vega right now, it's a good-looking car. It really is. Well, you had a performance version of the Maverick, and you had a performance I'm not version talking of about any. I'm just talking about just, just the styling, regardless of if it's a Grabber or a Cosworth or whatever. I'm just saying the actual just basic shape of those cars, those three models, I think have aged very well. So I can kind of see where you're coming from with saying that maybe the 996 will have some kind of like, you know, resurgence. It might. Yeah. It I might. was along as as a modern classic in a Porsche, I was thinking something more along the lines of like a GT3 RS, which is just a, you know, high performance, the performance model, but versions it's are always incredible. going to be held in high esteem. Always. Well, yeah, well, not always always, but more so than, you know, the lower end. You know, as far as like a Ferrari, there's really no such thing as, you know, a, a base model Ferrari. There's the the redheaded stepchild that that I almost bought, the 400i, that's in the early <laughs> 80s. I love that car. I think it's a great looking car. And it, it they're actually coming up in road. value now. Yeah, they're, they're, they're coming up in value. Uh, and again, so not, are you saying the 911 performance variants aren't going to always be acceptable? No, they will be because they're... They, they're expensive, they're limited production, and people, there's always somebody that wants the highest, you know, whether it's the turbo or, or something like a GT3 RS. But, um, no, they, they will be. And it, well, it, people want those cars because they're usable track cars. Those cars are built for the track and Porsche reliability, and they're built for sure. that. And, 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 and maybe not the, well, definitely not the GT3 RS because that, that suspension is not for something you can drive every day, but... Those car, it, the the 911s. What's so great about the 911s and all of our listeners that have 911s are nodding their head when I say this. They are usable, everyday, quote unquote, supercars. And I only say supercars from the level of performance that you expect. Well, a lot of 911, uh, but a lot of yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll agree 100 percent with that. Um, but I, I'll, basically, with the exception of maybe. I don't know, McLaren's still a little quirky, but they've even come around to saying, like, you know, the Lamborghini Huracan is a everyday usable supercar. Any Ferrari, any modern Ferrari that you buy is an everyday usable supercar. You know, the AC works. It's not going to break down. It doesn't overheat. You know, you can drive it all day and get, you know, decent gas mileage. It's just 
that's how far but cars have come. A 911 is low-key enough, low enough where you can park it in a parking lot and run into uh, the grocery store, and, and you're good to go, and you can see out of a 911. Uh, one of these mid-engine supercars, yeah. it's got, it still has the blind spot, so that's where I'm saying where I'm talking about every single day you could drive a 911 and be comfortable in traffic. You so can't could, do that in a hurricane. So are you saying then that that could help that everyday usability factor that you're talking about, could that help drive what makes a modern classic a modern classic? Because not everyone wants or can afford an, a Lamborghini Huracan, but they still want something that's timeless. I mean, I've had this discussion with Lou before, uh, and you, you said everybody's favorite whipping boy or whatever, but um, with the Porsche 911, I was in a previous episode we were talking, and I just said that of all my cars that I own, Basically, if someone sees me in the in the 911, you don't have to be a car person. You instantly recognize the shape of that car, and you know it's a Porsche. You might not know it's a 911, but you know it's a Porsche. And that instantly conveys to them that that car is something special because they just know that shape, partly because it's been around for so damn long, but... Um, it's an evolution from 1964. Exactly. But you know what I'm understanding? Up. You know what I'm saying? Though? I mean, even to a non-car person, a 911 is identifiable as something special. There and, are certain cars that non-car people would know. Like in, uh, we talked previously on an episode about Jaguar E-Type. Somebody yeah. sees a Jaguar E-Type, they know it's a Jag, a Mini Cooper, 911. You know that it's just they nail the styling and the thing that's, Great about the 911, and I, uh, of course, I'm a contributor to the show as well as a listener. Uh, the, the, the 911, I'm not trying to, you know, be a jerk, but uh, the car gets. <laughs> Go a little, ahead, be a it jerk. Gets, it, it, well, it gets a little short shift, uh, short changed on on the show by by Lou especially. Well, because he doesn't own one; to, he owns his Viper. So. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't. I do not own one either, and I'll never be able to own one. But he, you know, the the the, the value comment came up about the Corvette and the 911. Let's. This what I. I don't mean to derail. It. We won't derail about the C8. But <laughs> the keeping the money in your pocket, and I'd yeah. rather have the Corvette. I tell you what. You keep the money in your pocket, and you drive your C8, and you 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 have fun with that. And I would. It's a passion purchase. It's a historic pur- purchase with a 911. I really wish I could afford a 911 because they. They're just awesome cars. They they're just iconic and awesome. And I, I had no idea you were such a fan because I've never seen you drool over mine. So I'm surprised. <laughs> uh, well, I don't see it as much well, as I'd like to. But yeah. I, I like. I mean, I do like. I mean, because I like yours because it's a nine nine seven. So it was a recovery from the nine nine six. But for me, the nine thirty and the nine nine three are the pinnacle. Yeah. And I'm not saying anything that. It hasn't been said before because, and it's easy for me to say the 930 and 993, but. Now, what, what, I know the 930, like the 930 turbo, you mean? Well, all 930s, but the 930 turbo has got the fat hips and the whale tail. But then the, what, so a 993, was that, that was still air-cooled? That was. Yes. So you're talking about like that. The 993 is the last air-cooled Porsche. Okay. So where does the, so is a 930 would be like the, the, the 911 SCs from the early 80s? 
Is that a yeah, 930 yeah, series? Yeah. Okay. I, I, the nine, I know they the change the series numbers all the time, so I'm not. Yeah, the, nine, the 930 was made until 1989. Okay. Yeah, because I got friends that have, have 930 series cars. And I actually, before I bought mine, I, I, I didn't come real close, but I seriously considered a, I think it was a 80. I think it was a 1980 SC, 911 SC. So yeah, that's a 930. Yeah, yeah. So no, those are those are those are totally totally classics, and um, they they're a little out of my wheelhouse as far as the age is concerned to be considered a modern classic. But what would you want, Roger? If if you I mean, you think you already I think you already answered your question, and but keep it past 1990. So you'd want like the last year, like a 90 what a six. Nine eleven would be like your. I can't go. I can't get a. Well, I would want an eighty nine nine thirty turbo. Okay, but That's anything newer? But I'm I mean, saying newer, post nineteen ninety. A nine nine three turbo, a Porsche nine okay. eleven nine nine three turbo. So, is, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of modern cars. I mean, I don't. I mean, I have a couple listed here. Um, the uh, the BMW E forty six M three and uh, Laguna. Sure. Oh yeah, Blue, yeah. With with the, with the, with the uh, I, I would kind of construct my car like this and i've seen them on bring a trailer and there was one that just sold uh an e46 uh m3 laguna seca blue uh the 19 inch bbs comp package wheels with the uh i would like to have the uh, two-tone charcoal gray laguna seca blue inserts and of course a six-speed manual transmission that is one of my top five modern classics that it's awesome so top five. What are your other four? Uh, well, I mean, I would want the M, I would want the M three yeah. or the uh, um, the uh, the nine eleven, yeah. the nine thirty turbo. Um, I also like the uh, the Mitsubishi Lancer Evolution nine MRSE. I, I love that. Oh, car the e- as so well. where does that fit into the the Evo series? Because uh, they went up to what an Evo Eight, right? Wasn't that the last one? That's after an Evo Eight. That's an Evo Nine. The Evo Nine looks very similar to okay. the Evo Eight. Okay. So the Evo Ten, Evo Ten, they changed the whole the whole body style. On Which one was the, was the Ten the last one then, or is that, Ten is the last one? Okay. Yes. So you want a Nine? I want a Nine. Okay. That's, that's got the best of both worlds. Yeah. That's going to have the. Uh, I want a black one. It's got the uh, red uh, stitching. It has uh, the black diamond finished uh, BBS wheels. It's funny because I, I it, totally forgot about those cars because they kind of faded I, away. Uh, I know, but I'm just saying they just kind of faded away, and I haven't heard anyone talk about an Evo for a long time, so I'm glad you brought it up. So you have two more on your list. What are they? Uh, well, because of a good friend of mine, uh, I'm a... I we were just talking about this the other day, and I was going on and on and on about the uh, Mazda RX-7 FD. It's it's it, it, uh, that car. You show that car to a non-car person, they would think it is a newer car. And, and which generation not. was that? The middle generation was that the third generation that's, one? That's that's the uh, fourth generation. The one with the uh, weird the three doors. No, that's an RX-8. Oh, okay. So yeah, the third, the last one, the one that's more curvy. Rounded. Yeah, your friend that had your friend that had one that he, he said he wrecked it. At <clears> the yeah, he track. did. He wrecked it at the track. Yeah, that is a that is a it is beautiful. It car. is good looking car. Pretty rare these days, and uh, very very good um, evolution of that of that design and that model. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good one. That's and, a good choice. And if I gotta put if I gotta put one more on there, I mean, there's. Um, 
Oh, I don't, I don't know. I'll come back to that one later. There, there's a lot of choices on the mod. I mean, I like stuff like the the Alancia Delta Integrale. Oh yeah. Two. I, I like stuff like that. I like quirky uh, oddball cars like that because it's it's nice to not run with the herd and have the. And I'm not. Well, you're to talking to the guy that drives a Saab 96, so you're not insulting yeah, me at car. all. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not, I, and I'm not somebody that ha- I just don't like. The, the trendy cliche like a red Corvette, I am not that guy. Yeah, you know a red a red sports car that I don't. I'm just I I, I but I'm not somebody who purposely looks for obscure because the, the E46 BMW M3 that's not an obscure car. So it's just it's really uh, it's it's the emotion that comes out of me when I see. I mean now I I I've mentioned in a previous show I saw an Audi. Sport Quattro uh, at a local car's mm-hmm. coffee uh, like last year, and I almost passed out. I couldn't believe I. I'm like, it's right in front of me, yeah. a dark green one with white wheels. But that's that's a three hundred and fifty thousand sure. dollar car. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I would like to have it on my list. I'd love to have rally uh, groupie homologation cars, but the cars that I'm mentioning now are are semi obtainable. I don't have a huge list of modern classics, but I'll I'll start with with my most obvious one, one that I already own, and I, I bring it up. And to me, it's the only Aston really that I'd put on the list because they're affordable, but they're they've aged well. And everyone that ever sees my DB7 Vantage thinks it's just a drop dead gorgeous car. It's an Ian Cullum design, and it's just beautiful. And it has the V12. I have the six-speed manual, which makes that car yep. incredibly desirable. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful car. And they're cheap. So it kind of is the best of both worlds, really. You've got the performance, you've got the the look, and you've got the attainability. So I definitely, that falls under my heading of a modern classic. A couple others that are American, not not British, that I thought of, and cars that I've considered from time to time. The uh, two variations, actually, well, there's three variations, but I'll, I'll focus on, on two of the variations of the Cadillac CTS-V. That was the supercharged V8 Caddy, 555 mm-hmm. horsepower. Um, the four-door was okay, but I'm a coupe guy, so they made that in, the, in, the, in kind of an angular-looking coupe. But then the one to really get, the pick-to-click, is the CTS-V Wagon. Absolutely. And, and people are recognizing those as a modern classic because the price is forty, fifty grand now on the used market for one of those things. They didn't make a whole and hell they lot were of them. Available with a manual. Yeah, you could. I know, well. and that and all wheel drive all too, all right? And they all, were what that? They were all wheel drive too, weren't they? In the wagon? No, the the, the V cars were not all wheel. They drive. weren't. Only oh, okay. The three, only only the three point six V six was okay. all wheel drive. Okay. For some reason, I thought they had all wheel drive in the coupe or the wagon, but regardless, no, they don't have an all wheel. Okay. They don't have an all wheel drive system that can handle that power. Yeah. Okay. I know because incredible power. I just think that's a really cool looking car. I also like, Absolutely. and a lot of people might not agree with this, is the the Holden derived Pontiac GTO that came out in the early 2000s. Kind of a bland looking car, but it had the the, the nice V8 in it. Um, that's kind of a sleeper car, a car that kind of came and went real quick. I think that's a modern... Three model cl- years. Yeah, that's a modern classic as far as I'm concerned. But Mark, don't you think there's something about, don't you think there's something about an understated car? Really I like understated cars, though. That's what I'm yeah, saying. The, the, e, the, the E46 M3, is, I don't think, is a particularly flashy car. No, it isn't. It has, I mean, it's a beautiful car, and I always thought the GTO was a great-looking car, and uh, these people that would 
say, oh, it was an oversized Cavalier. I'm like, get out of no, here with that. No, concept. not the at all. The car doesn't look. No. I know why they think it looks a little bit like a Cavalier, just like the silhouette with the the way the quarter window is shaped. But that I've car doesn't never, look anything yeah, like no. a Cavalier. I've never gotten that, that feeling about looking at it. No. And another quirky car that I put down on my list would be the Saturn Sky Pontiac Solstice, which was the two-door coupe that was uh, pushed by, um, what's his name, Bob... Um, my mind is going blank right now. Bob the Lutz? Lutz, yeah, Lutz's. That was Lutz's yeah. like like little pet project. But the one to really get is the GXP Coupe. That was this funky Pontiac Solstice GXP luck, Coupe. Pontiac. Yeah, I know they're very rare. They're really cool looking though. You got to admit, and they that, look they're wild. It's a fix for the for our listeners out there listening. It's a it's basically a uh, what they would call like a fixed head coupe. Yeah, I, you know because it was all one it was all one piece. Uh, it's it's something I really wish. Mazda what it did with the Miata, and well, they, they did make a. They did make. They a, have that a, new a one now with yeah, and I, it doesn't well, look no, as. No, I mean from the factory. They oh yeah, they made the, made the yeah. Mazda made a, a, a prototype one, but the the. The GXP though is is more of a fastback yeah. though, and and yeah, it's a fast it's a fastback. Remember the 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 odd oddball um, what was it the Z, the Z three coupe. Or whatever the oh you're talking yeah yeah the one that you see a lot of them they have the little dog cage thing in the back yeah yeah the M it's just called it's called an M coupe M coupe yeah that's an oddball car too but they're kind of they're not as sleek looking as the GXP but they didn't make a whole lot of them have one in the GXP yeah I mean because they came as an M edition and it had the performance has these huge tires on it it's an odd looking car but it's it's surprisingly interesting you know. Uh, when you see one, a couple other ones, I'll throw a couple out, uh, cause we're kind of talking, we're going to be similar format to what we did with the modern muscle. We're going to talk about the U S stuff and then we're going to touch on Asian stuff. Although we've already talked about European stuff. We'll Absolutely. talk more about European than Asian, but how about the PT cruiser and the Chevy HHR? Cause they kind of came out. Never. never. You don't think never, those are modern ever. classics at all. Really? That's, that's for the wingadinga crowd. A PT cruiser. Oh, I wanted one when it was new. See, everyone but, wanted one, but you yeah, know, but and the PT they, Cruiser was they out. Were popular. It was they out before. Yeah, it was. It, it did better than the HHR, the Heritage High Roof, but from Chevy. But I actually think the Chevy right. HHR will will. I think that is a modern classic over the PT Cruiser. Definitely, I think it is. So you are talking about Chevy's version of the PT Cruiser, not to be confused with the Chevy SS. No, that's on my list too. The Chevy SSR uh, was the brutal. was the folding. It's your list, pick, Mark. It's your list. Po- folding convertible pickup truck thing that was styled after the advanced generation of pickups that yeah, GM came one, out in forty eight. Yeah, ones of people were asking for a convertible pickup. Yeah, truck. no, I, I well again these are I, I have oh. question marks on some of these. I'm saying I think the Chevy SSR didn't do well then. They come up for sale now. They don't seem to. I don't. I hardly ever see them at car shows or anything. I don't know, but I think the HHR might get some some traction down the line, and I, I would I would be very tempted to put that on my, um, you know, modern classics list as well. They of made now. an SS version of the HHR, and they also had a very rare panel version, which had yeah, I remember those. Windows, yeah, mm-hmm. and they made them with a stick shift. So if you can, if Mark, if you want to add something to your stable, <laughs> look high and low for the panel version. For an a, the panel version of the HHR SS, the manual, manual. Okay, yes, that that's. I mean, 
uh, watch a popular YouTube guy, and he did a video on on one, and his, the one he had was a uh, an automatic. The and and the the, the production number is minuscule. So oh, yeah. good luck finding them. And then obviously this, I think you'll agree with this, the Fiero, the last generation of the Fiero. With the V six, the five speed, yeah, and the it. and the fastback, you know, the cool looking right, sail they panels. Got it. Yeah, that, that's that's when they got the car right, and exactly. then they killed it. Like I know. Typical General Motors, and that's a hell of an autocross car too, because I remember back sure. in my autocross days that that there were some Fieros out there, and they got them set up, and they 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 killed out there because they're mid engine, and they you know if you tighten up that suspension and lower it a little bit, they were killer out on a well, I, out on an I, autocross I, track. I, I, Back in the day, I did see one with a Cadillac Northstar V8 in it, and it looked like an OEM installation. Wow! Yeah, I've seen I've seen a couple of V8 ones, but not with a Northstar. Yeah, and there's so many. I've seen it with uh, uh, supercharged Buick 3800s, of course, an LS because an LS goes in everything nowadays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've seen quad four turbos, custom turbo kits put in them. So. Um, I'm sure a Honda engine, uh, uh, the uh, the, uh, v- the uh, VTEC out of the uh, Civic Si, maybe somebody found a way to put that in there too. I, I wouldn't be surprised. There's, and there's why is so that? Because they're cheap to, to acquire. They're reliable and they're, they're reliable. No, I'm saying no. I'm, I'm saying the Fiero itself. They're cheap to find, so you just yank the engine out, the Iron Duke four, whatever, and drop in yeah, something and the else. Yeah, the base model had the the base model had the Iron Duke, yeah. and then the GTs had the three liter V6. Yeah. yeah. Um, but is is that why? Because you can there's obviously there's enough room in there to, to slot in a, a obviously a V six. But you said you and I've seen V eights too. So there's obviously enough room well, to do that. The North the North Star is a very wide engine because that's a thirty two valve yeah, V eight yeah. those four cams. So yep. that it, and like I said, it was a a very sanitary installation where it looked. He even took the uh, Cadillac logo off the engine cover and put that, you know, that it almost looked like a, a modern version of the fire chicken from the Trans Am. So sure. it looked, to, to, to an untrained eye, they would think that's a stock engine in the car. Yeah, cool. That, I actually would have liked to have seen that because I've seen, you know, kind of backyard conversions of the Fiero with V8s and stuff, mm-hmm. and they never look that clean. But it's always nice. I'm not a big modify kind of guy like that but when you see somebody that's taken the care to do it right then you can really appreciate it that's right and we're at the point in the program where we're going to talk about a car that was either uh recently sold or or still for sale online and this one comes from bring a trailer which we always like to talk about here on the car guys report and and roger you'll like this one because i i thought it would fit in with the modern classics that we're talking about right now this was a 2004 porsche 911 so it's a 996 but it was the targa and that's when uh porsche had uh remade or reimagined their a targa roof into a basically sliding glass uh, roof that would slide back into the rear window. So it wasn't the old Targa of yore with the roll bar and the separate uh, black plastic piece that you would remove. It was one of the first cars with like this all-glass roof and the retractable uh, roof. So it's kind of what, and they still make that Targa style now with the retractable glass. This one had 66,000 miles. It was Arctic silver with a gray interior. It was a six-speed manual, which is nice, and uh, purportedly one of only 508 
that were uh, sold for 2004. And on uh, Bring a Trailer, this one sold for $26,000. So I wrote down not bad. I don't know if it's necessarily super well bought, but it looks good. It's a relatively rare car. And I think you're kind of saying that 996s might come up and start getting a, a second look. And I think since this one was a Targa, uh, a, a lesser known or lesser available variant. I thought it was pretty well bought at twenty six thousand. The car looks clean, and um, you don't see the targas out there that often. And when you do, they're cool because you just see all that glass and the way the 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 roof slides into the the rear over. Actually, I would I think it does it uh, under the rear window, but yeah, it would have to be under the yeah, rear it's, window. It's, it's, you do, they're they're a pretty rare car, but I mean. I, it's not really a Targa in the true no, but that's uh, sense what, of the no, name. it isn't. It's not that, but that's what I mean. It says Targa right on the car. I mean, that's unfortunately no, what, I know, what I mean, Porsche when, has when, made the Targa when, into. Right? Yeah, it's not. It's not a Targa in the true sense, like the Targa from the seventies, uh, and where the seventies one had that glass that wrapped around, and then you took the Targa top off. Yeah, yeah, the big silver steel panel. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the new ones have the new ones are back to that, and they are spectacular. So now, well, they have the, the the hoop, but they don't have. They still have the sliding glass, though, don't they? Yeah, you, you, you go on YouTube and watch how that how, how all that works. It's but it looks cool. more like a Targa, is what you're saying. The Absolutely. new ones, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and the one because this one looks like a hard weird. top, actually. You know, it's yeah, got the, yeah, the, the roof rails. Targa, yeah, the nine ninety six Targa doesn't really have anything to do with the Targa. The current I, one. I just wish they would. I wish they would have called it something different. Yeah. it's not a Targa in the true sense of the word. No, but they were just carrying on the heritage of the name, so yeah. that's what they wanted to make sure they were doing. If you like the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, be sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits podcast network, like the show Minutia Men. It's an OPI show. Our good friends Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern are consumers of worthless information, and boy, do they do it well. Listen as they share their newest worthless information on their podcast. It's called Minutia Men. It's available on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts to search for Radio Misfits. And what do you know? That's where you'll find us. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, along with Roger Rexrode, our man in the field. Lou Costable taking a little bit of time off, and we've invited Roger into the remote studio here to uh, talk about all things automotive. We had a great uh, previous episode on modern muscle cars, and now we're talking and ruminating about modern classics. We touched a little bit on European modern classics, Roger, already, but... Obviously, there is some crossover between what we talked about in the last episode and what we talked about here, because we're talking about, you know, European modern classics could be, you know, a lot of the uh, Mercedes-Benz AMG models, a lot of the BMW M series. But it doesn't always have to be, you know, the like we we're saying, the sport models or the high performance models. There's a lot of neat like a like a you know a a, a mid nineties or early nineties BMW five series like as a base model with just the the big straight six in there or maybe the some of the I think they were still making or uh, still selling diesels in the U S at that point just some of the more quirky stuff like that I think could have um, you know a lot of uh, collector or modern classic type provenance one that I wanted to mention is. Uh, the Bentley that I had, I had a 1994 Bentley Continental R. Now, that's obviously pre-Volkswagen, so I always 
referred to it when I'd be at a car show as, you know, this is a real Bentley. It's not just, uh, you know, designed in Germany and built in uh, England. It was uh, designed in England and built in England. And mine was the Continental R, which was the two-door coupe. And they only made 100 of those a year for about a 12-year span. They made uh, several variations. They made a couple of wide bodies, some funky like T-top, target-type top things, and uh, things like that. Mine was was just basically a base model, if you want to call it that, Continental R. But this is a unique car just because it was a two-door. They're cheap. They're available. They're kind of a pain in the ass with maintenance, but... I didn't have mine for too long. I think I kept it for three years because I wanted the experience and, and everything. But I think that's a modern classic. It's got well, the, the re- yeah, the, the the real. Hold on, real quick. Is I just thought about this. The, the really hot one is uh, I think it's the Mulliner. Yeah, it's got the wide. It's got the, the wide, wide body, which is cool. Fat, yeah, fat it's cool. Looking. Those have you those cars in person uh, for our listeners? Look that car up. That's a something. It's akin to the wide body. Uh, Challenger and the wide body Charger. Absolutely. Yeah, it has a really badass presence. look to it. Yeah, exactly. No, it does. It does. And those go for a little bit, obviously, more money than than the bone, the bone stock plain Jane Continental R's. But even though they only made a hundred a year, they're surprisingly there's always a handful for sale. Uh, at least on Hemmings, I see them on Hemmings. There's usually two, three, four, five of them for sale. Some people asking, you know, way more than they're worth. But definitely, if you're curious, I think that's a, a definitely a, a modern classic. I already talked about the Aston Martin DB7 that I have. I think that among all current Astons, um, negating any of the Zagato models or any of the stuff that's in the stratosphere, I think the DB7, since it was the most mass-produced Aston at the time. I think that is a, a modern classic. It, it just has the look and it has the proportions and things like that. Uh, modern Mercedes, I don't know. I mean, could you call my, and again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I will because, hey, this is my podcast and I'm going to do what I want. But um, my E-Class uh, Coupe, I think an E-Class Coupe or the big S-Class Coupes are modern classics because there's nothing like a Mercedes coupe with a big ass engine in it, whether it's a V8 or a V12. I think those are classic cars and they don't sell them in huge quantities. So again, like a, even like a BMW, how about the eight series from the late eighties, uh, uh, early nineties with the V12s? Those are picking up some serious traction and they made the V8 in that car as well too. What do you think of those? Uh, they, those, those cars look like concept cars going down the road when you do the, see the front cars. end with uh, the the low kind of hood and the smaller headlights and it, stuff it like the wedge yeah. yeah the wedge but but going back to your car the thing that's kind of unique about your car you don't see them on the road a lot is your your window configuration you could probably uh, talk to the audience about that talking about the Mercedes. Yeah, sure. Your your Mercedes. Yeah, they made a big deal about um, Mercedes in the in the brochures, and this is something that they've done for a long time. Is they've always said that for you know since 1950 or something, you know Mercedes has always had a, a coupe that's a true hardtop, and they made a incredibly big deal. And I appreciate this because it always bugged me when you buy a car and the rear windows don't go all the way down. They stick up like another six inches because of the design Mm -hmm. of the, the, the the well or the door or whatever. And Mercedes with the E-class coupe in the um, owner and not in the owner's man on the brochure, they make a point of saying the rear windows go all the way down to give the classic timeless, 
Mercedes-Benz true hardtop look. And when you roll the windows down on my car, the front window's all the way down, the back window's all the way down. It's a true hardtop. There's no center pillar. You see the arc of the of the roof rails in this beautiful sweep going all the way from the from the A pillar and the hood area all the way over the top of the car into the trunk area. And it's just it's a spectacular looking um, uh, design, and I love that because you just don't find that many true hard top cars anymore. Hard top meaning no B pillar. Um, it's just amazing, and especially too because this car has a glass roof on it, so it's got this huge sliding glass sunroof, and then the the fixed part of the roof over the rear seats is glass too. So it's just one of the most airy cockpits you'll ever be in when you've got all the windows down and you've got and you can retract the sunshade from the um headliner so you can just have the the glass exposed but not open and it's just one of the most airy uh super you know no no b pillar blocking your vision and it's just it's just a neat car and i think that's really why i think it it's it's a classic and then the neat thing is they don't make them, and they, uh, Mercedes is not going to offer, or hasn't offered actually for a couple of years now, um, a V8 in that car. And they're not even going to sell the E-Class Coupe in the U.S., too, starting next year. Because Mercedes recently announced they're cutting certain models out of their lineup for the U.S., and the E-Class Coupe is one of them. So you can't even, let alone get a V8 E-Class Coupe, you can't even get an E-Class Coupe anymore starting in 2021. So... There you go. Modern classic there, Roger, all the way. Um, Absolutely. You don't think, how about your Fiat Abarth that you had, the 500? Do you think Never. that could ever, nope. no? Why not? Nope. Play along with me here. Well, I, the reason I say that is, you know, what I don't understand, I've, I've been out of the car for about a year and a half. Yeah. Even when, I, even when I owned the car, I didn't really see a lot of them on the road. So I figured, you know, the, the depreciation is so bad I figured it would get in the hands of, you know, people that are going to probably uh, ride them hard and put them away. Yeah. Right. I still I still don't see them on the road. No, because it's shocking. I think people just couldn't justify the price and the difference. Nobody pays thicker for them. I know, but but the difference between the Abarth and the regular 500, I mean, it had a stiffer suspension, it had a really loud exhaust, and people just didn't like that. And the performance increase wasn't that great so i think that kind of held it back i think as a quirky kind of under the radar thing though down the line i actually think that that could be considered a modern you, classic you think the performance difference wasn't well, I, well between a base model well and a that's i know but that's before i'm talking i'm talking you know they had the base model which was when i bought mine in 2012 20 it's actually I bought my horsepower. I know and and but then they brought out the turbo which is what I have in my new one which is 135 oh, bridges, horsepower that bridge, yeah that bridges the gap yeah 135 horsepower no I know 160 to 100 I know that's a big difference but I'm just saying yeah. Oh, yeah but they brought the turbo out only a couple years after you know my that I that bought my car and they're still offering the Abarth so between the the turbo which was became the base model and the Abarth, there's only 30, not even 35, there's 25 horsepower. So it's not a huge uh, gain in power. Plus, you've got the really loud exhaust and the and the stiffer suspension and things like that that I just don't think a lot of people could see the difference. So, again, it'll 
it'll be a curiosity. It like, will be, it, yeah. It, it, could, it could be it could be one of them cars that people forgot they made, kind of like, you know, like, do you remember the Dodge Caliber uh, SRT4? Yeah. Yeah, that's an oddball. So you don't see a lot of them around. Like, everybody knows about the Neon SRT4, but people kind of forget about the Caliber SRT4. So I think that caliber SRT4 is going to be one of those. That's going to be the more desirable, obscure, modern classics over the Abar because It's funny I, that you bring... I, Go ahead. Oh, no, I just think that it's... I, I don't have the production numbers of both tires, but I just think the caliber SRT4 is much more obscure. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the Neon and the, and the caliber because I've never driven the SRT versions of those, but many moons ago... Back in the mid-90s, I had a uh, Dodge Neon as a rental car in California, and I really liked it. It was a good car. It was nimble. It was nimble. It was roomy. It handled well. It looked good. And then about 10, 12 years later, I had a Caliber as a rental car because the Caliber is what replaced the Neon. Totally different Mm -hmm. car. I mean, the Caliber is almost almost like a crossover because it was kind of higher roofed and stuff. And we just had a base model as a rental car. I didn't have it uh, rented as long as I had the Neon, so I didn't get that much of a feel for it. But it was okay. It was just kind of bland, kind of forgettable. But the Neon, though, I really do have kind of fond memories of that car. And that's a modern classic, especially the two-door. The uh, two-door SRT. Yeah, that is a... Well, they didn't have they didn't or, have an SRT two door. Well, they, they had an a, they had an ACR two door. That's the yeah they because one of them had the turbo yeah. in it, right? That's the SRT four. Okay, only in the sedan, but they did have an ACR uh, two door. But you know, you're talking about the uh, ca- uh, the caliber and how it looks like a crossover. Yeah. So you're gonna you'll you'll get a kick out of this, and the audience will too. I always thought the caliber looked like a Durango and a Pontiac Vibe had a baby. Huh. To me, it kind of looks a little bit like, you know, what became like that Dodge Journey, I think. Yeah, there you go. Like the Journey but, is younger. Or yeah, it's just a brother. weird, yeah, just a weird car. And I don't even know how long they made that thing. Not very long. It seemed like only I don't a few years. How many but, years they made so the, yeah, the, 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 the so, SRT4 version, they, they took uh, the brakes from the Chrysler 300 wow. and put it on the front of that car. And they put the 17 inch wheels on it. And it had, uh, I think it had like 260 horsepower with a manual transmission okay. only. It was, it was hot. And they had the uh, stage two uh, uh, tune from the factory for it. So keep your eyes open for like the people that part, you know, took, you know, partake in the, uh, the, the over-the-counter hop-up part, as yeah. you would uh, probably call it, and uh, uh, those are those will be the ones that people are going to be like, oh, I didn't even know that existed back then. Yeah. Well, getting back to, real quickly to that, uh, the Neon ACR, what I kind of vaguely remember that that was the two-door performance version, but what made what did they do to the engine? In I, that? I don't think they did. Too, I don't. I, I. 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 I'm not that very well versed on that car. I just knew they were usually, uh, I think they were all white with yeah. blue trim. Blue, yeah, I kind of remember they did, that. They, they did make an ACR Neon SRT4 as well, but they the coupe, they did make a an ACR version. Okay. They probably did a little bit to the suspension, but they got more into it with the Neon SRT4 and the ACR version of the uh, SRT4 yeah. Neon. That's interesting, though, because those are like two cars, the Neon and the uh, the Caliber, that just 
fell off everybody's radar, I think. And then don't be surprised. Well, they fell into junkyards. That's where they well, fell. Well, yeah, but I think I, I definitely think the neon, though, <laughs> certain versions of the neon, like you said, like the SRT, that that is. I, I would definitely stamp that a modern classic. I would, just because it's unique and it's attainable and it's, it's just kind of it's fits that be category a classic down the road when yeah. you start seeing them show up from time to time like well they're already 20 years other, old i mean that's just it. i know but you don't see them at the car shows but if you see no. like there's another popular youtube guy that i uh channel that i follow and they they were at, a, at the chrysler nationals and somebody had a uh tan and brown dodge on the 1985 and it was like time capsule that was an absolute throwaway car back in the day but when it shows up at a show you're like how did this car survive without rusting into the ground and being thrown into a junkyard and made a uh, took the metal and made a refrigerator or something <laughs> out of it? You know, but that, that's it's going to take time on the neon. But I, I know what you're saying. Like we're all like the audience is laughing their ass off with you saying that the neon is going to be a modern <laughs> classic. But give it give it another ten fifteen years, and when you see. A car like that show up at a car show, you'll you'll appreciate it more because it'll make you smile because you're like, man, I never thought of this being a classic, but now here it is at a show, and it's like you you wake up and you're like, man, that car's thirty years old or thirty five years yeah. old. It's like, well, it's kind of like what we're seeing now with you know like Chevettes and even well Vegas Pintos, but Chevettes are starting to show up now in that category and like gremlins have been around in that category and pacers have been around in that category for maybe five years even though they're older from the 70s but they're now 30 35 40 years old and people are going i forgot all about that you must have the last pacer ever made because <laughs> or the last one on the road because you never see them anymore so you it, just don't know see that and that's that's the true collector type car is something that you never thought would be collectible and then come to find out it. Like you, you referred to the uh, bring a trailer on previous episodes on what somebody paid. Didn't you say somebody paid like forty grand for a pacer? Uh, I think thirty thousand. I think it was. Yeah. But that, that's that's incredible. I know. Money. I know. I know. And that's and we're going to be seeing more of that as things as as time goes on. And and that's why I wanted to highlight that because it's like here's a car they would never think would be collectible. A and B get that kind of money, even if it is considered collectible. And here's someone poning up thirty grand for a for a pacer. It was an X though, so that's I think that's what made the yeah. difference. <laughs> so here's the, but here's the thing. Uh, until they uh, until they get a very reliable time machine, that's the only way you're gonna be able to go back <laughs> in time out, and yeah. get a car. And and here's the other thing. Uh, and you hear this term a lot. You can't restore it for what you bought it. For. No, of course not. Of course not. But that's so it's, a, it's a turn. It's a turnkey thing. You buy this pacer for thirty thousand dollars. It's it's all. It's probably OEM everything, and and it's just as it was when it was new. Because think about it. Where are you going to find parts for a pacer? They're probably surprisingly out there. All the mechanical parts, with the body parts, you're not going to find anywhere. You're so, never going to yeah. find the body parts, especially yeah. like you know the doors are two different sizes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, this obscure that 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 quirky fact right there is just something that you talk about with somebody at a car show, and then you show it to them, which is something I think is great about going to car shows and seeing a car like that because I like taking you know like when you go to a car show and you got like maybe a non-car person and you show them like you see something that's got something quirky like the uh like the, the thing with the pacer with the car having two different sized doors and, you know there's just certain features that you just don't see so it's 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 nice to see stuff like that it shows sure because it highlights 
you know, certain aspects of design that we may or may not ever see again and just something that made that car unique. And Absolutely. that's why a lot of people go to car shows because they want to see stuff that they don't see every day. So that's why that kind of stuff is showing up. One other car I wanted to add to the European modern classics would be the Alpha 8C. That was at very limited production uh, V8 uh, coupe that they had out in the early 2000s. Super expensive, though, like 400 grand or whatever. So um, uh, I think it came out in the late 2000s. Or late 2000s, yeah. Sure it yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was in the deep, 2000s. Deep. It was like maybe yeah, 2007 deep, deep, or something. Uh, yeah, deep pockets for that one. Yeah, yeah. But a great-looking car. Just absolutely beautiful, beautiful. design. It's yeah. an Italian, I call it an Italian Mustang. Uh, yeah, I guess. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, the proportion... The proportions, it's got a V8. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, 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 uh, and our listeners, uh, again, go to YouTube and listen to the audio clips of that car. Oh, it sounds great. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, I, I think any any naturally aspirated European V8 is going to scream. So, uh, especially, yeah, especially something made in Italy. So, we have sanitized all our OPI shows for your protection, but you should still be wearing a mask. Help prevent the uh, spread of COVID 19 by following the CDC guidelines. You'll be saving the world and be sure to wash your hands at the same time. It's that point in the show where. I'm going to go wash my hands. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You. I have no idea how to describe what just happened. Wait till people hear how impressive it was that Steve knows the presidents of the United States in order without Googling it. Yeah, I went to school. Catch the next Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts just search for radio misfits on this week's free kicks with adam and rick we're upping the level of our knowledge we're even going to be discussing some shakespeare and its connection to the english premier league that's right listen to free kicks on spotify opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts just search for radio misfits and we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, for the uh, second of uh, two special episodes that we've been doing with uh, Roger. We started out with modern muscle cars uh, in the last episode. and this episode, we're talking about uh, cars that we think are or could be modern classics. And I'm kind of uh, pegging the definition at 1990 and, uh, and beyond uh, that uh, post-1990 for a modern classic. We've talked, uh, touched on uh, U.S. and European uh, classics, wanted to kind of follow the same format we did with the modern muscle, wanted to touch on uh, Asian modern classics and uh, any uh, truck or SUV modern classics. And I'll start with a few here, Roger. We already talked about the Nissan GTR uh, in the last episode as a as an Asian muscle car. I would also call that a modern classic. And then there's cars that are now, since cars only have to be 25 years old or older to import into the U.S. now without any um, hideous paperwork or, or things like that, we're seeing a lot more of some interesting things coming in from um, Asia, from Japan mainly, 
and they're not all Nissan Skylines because I think that market's pretty much fulfilled because everyone imported all the ones they wanted and people have bought them. But we're seeing things like the Nissan Figaro, which is this funky, almost cartoon-like car, and then a lot of hilarious. the yeah, and then a lot of the what it's they call they call the Japanese K cars. I think it's spelled K E I, which are like the yep. really small city cars. There's the Honda Beat. And then I think there's one called the Honda City, which is like a super small version of like a Honda Fit. And those yep, are just like right. micro. They're like Japanese micro cars, basically. And people are are paying money for these things. And they're bringing them in. And the Figaro, especially, those, those go routinely for 20000 because I see them for sale here and there. And it's a funny-looking car. They, they, they come in these pastel colors like uh, turquoise and, and like this pale red and i don't know how to describe it it's just this rounded thing it looks like a cartoon car like it something you like see in an anime that, thing like, or something it does look like something you would see on the simpsons it yeah. really does look like a cartoon uh yeah this, uh, you're talking about those um this is uh, the honda beat you got the um uh the suzuki uh, cappuccino yeah and then you have the uh, mazda uh well, it's actually made by mazda it's called the az1 but it doesn't have a mazda logo okay on it. i don't know if I've, the, I've seen a beat in real life yeah and i've seen yeah, they're, the they're um, really cool i think i've seen a cappuccino I'm, i can't remember i think i have but yeah the mazda the az1 i don't believe i've seen one of those and a lot of them See, most of these are right hand drive too aren't they because they're coming from japan yeah See, and what's great about this uh, 25-year uh, rule, well, it'd be better if it was like Canada because they're 15. But you could, if you want something, if you're one of these individuals that wants something unique, yeah, everybody, look, we're, we're all gearheads. We love the, the R32, R33, R34 uh, Nissan uh, GTRs and Skylines. And they also have those Skylines, Mark, I don't know if you're aware of this. I know you don't like four doors, but they make sedan versions of it, which mm-hmm. are a little less desirable. But if you're somebody who wants something a little more, you know, a little more oddball, you can get that. There's so much out there. And you can get something like the Honda City. They had a turbo version. So you don't have to break the bank. I mean, you could get something very cool for like ten thousand yeah. dollars, and but just be prepared uh, for the expense of you know maybe having to get a part imported from Japan. Exactly, because they all have like but, like real high revving like two or three cylinder engines in them, right? Basically, almost like a motorcycle engine. It seems. Yeah, the the, the, the K cars are limited to six hundred and sixty cc. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Small. I don't know if they're motorcycle. Well, I'm saying almost. Small. I mean, yeah. similar, especially coming yeah. from Honda. They're high revving because they have to be. They might be turbocharged, and I, are they three cylinders usually, uh, or would they be twins? I think I, they're three cylinders. I'm not. I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to throw out any information yeah. unless I know 100. percent yeah. But uh, I just know they're six. I know the K cars are limited. But to that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of different cars. And this 25 year thing now. Uh, you know the 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 Audi uh, uh, S S uh, the Avant the uh, S uh, oh god S two the station wagon yeah. uh, well it's a it's a station wagon the S two I'm I'm going to get hammered for not remembering it exactly but it's a it's a collaboration that Audi had with Porsche and and Porsche breathed on the five cylinder engine it had. Uh, Porsche 911 wheels and brakes on it, huh. and the popular the popular color is the Nagaro blue. Okay, they had Nagaro blue and black insert seats. Those cars are now available, and I got to tell you, uh, on our little, you know, when you, when you when I said I'd come back to one of the cars that I would have, you know, my fifth car, yeah, my top five. 
that is that is the I knew I would remember that is on my list because it's a five cylinder Audi station wagon manual transmission all wheel drive port some Porsche looks it's 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 an incredible car and you were calling that a, an S two. I think it's yeah. I, I, I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> a, a rare, mo- but it, if you look up a 1995 Audi Avant, okay, that's it. Okay, so but you sure it's not the RS2? Because yeah, other- there you go. Yeah, it's it the is, RS2. Right. It is the RS2. Yeah, that's yep, what I thought. It would have to be. Yeah. Okay. I, it, it, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it probably. I know it's got an odd badge on the back. It's got those. Well, those it's all the high, super it, high performance, cool Audi stuff that they don't import here is all the rs stuff and they're People, slowly bringing more rs stuff over but yeah time. no i mean i i yeah. do them all the time we're, we're both nearing our senior citizen years so oh you know. come on no. <laughs> i'm only 50 yeah so well you, you you can start getting the senior discount at most places though and you can join uh, aarp now so <laughs> I'll, never, I'll never ask for it no way uh how about any modern classic trucks one that comes to mind right away for me at least and you might ding me for this because it just came out but i think it's a could be a modern classic is the lamborghini oris suv which is basically a almost like a porsche in disguise as a suv or a, a lambo full-on you know uricon in disguise as an suv i think that's a really it's badass a car it's a monster it's fast it's really cool looking though. i just love the design well of mark it. I know you like value, so no, I know it's two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. No, no, so. well, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save you a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, you know, Lou likes to, Lou likes to put money in his pocket yeah. with the C8 <laughs> and the 911. So, so let, let's, let's put some more money in your pocket, and but in comparison to that nonsense, okay. Here, here's, here's your, here's your. This is just a smart buy. This is not even about being a, a baller on a budget. This. You go buy an Audi RS Q8. That's what you go and buy because okay. that has sixty less horsepower for a hundred thousand dollars less. less. Yeah, that, that's just and and listen, make no make make no mistake. The RS Q8 is a great looking car. Does it have the the, the killer looks of the Urus? No, but it, it does have the and and a Q8 on the road looks awesome. But the modern like that's going to be a modern classic. But the GMC uh, Typhoon and, and Cyclone trucks because you talk about yeah, I got those on my list. Yeah, yeah, that that, that those those things. Um, the only car that was faster than than the uh, Cyclone when it came out was a Ferrari uh, 355. So think about that, everybody. Yeah, didn't that thing do like zero to sixty in like four point three seconds or something like that? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, and it had a four point three turbo. Or, or maybe that's what I'm thinking of four point three, but something. I just yeah. remember four three somewhere in there, and uh, but I know about, they were quick though. Yeah, think about this, everybody. A GMC pickup truck faster than a Ferrari. So imagine a <laughs> back in a the day. GMC, uh, in, back in the day, so imagine a GMC SUV faster than a Ferrari today. It's completely unthinkable, but it did happen in the past. But Ferrari is bringing out their SUV too, so <laughs> you never know. I, uh, I'm, they are. Well, I can't remember the hey, name of it, but like, it's beautiful. I, I did a yeah. segment on it on on an earlier episode a while back, and and the name escapes me right now. But it's a it's a nice looking car, you know. Uh, Aston is bringing out their SUV as well, and that's awesome looking. Yeah, that. yeah. 
I've, uh, I've, have you watched any? Have you watched any reviews on the DVX? I've no. I, I think I've read one briefly, and so far everyone is is obviously gushing over it. But you the know, back the back of that you don't like it SUV. Oh no, it's awesome. Oh, you oh, like it? Beautiful. Okay, yeah. No, it's oh, a good looking like, car. I like yeah, it. I love everything about the DVX. Yeah, and that's oh, going to be what two hundred grand though too. I think. They're like yeah, they're two hundred, two forty. Yeah. They're up there, but you, but you got a smaller manufacturer, so you're going to pay a little bit more than you know than you would. Well, obviously it's a premium brand, as you know. So, but I mean, it does have the AMG uh, twin turbo V8 in it, so yeah. it's got that you know it's got that you know uh, that sound, and I'm sure there's going to be some tuners. You know, you probably get it with an Akrapovich exhaust, and if, if, for people that want to go that route. But uh, you know, uh, Hennessy is now getting into the uh, Lamborghini Urus. Uh, uh, tuning and and hmm. they're they're doing they're doing some stuff down there with with those vehicles as well. So you know we, the thing with the Urus is the 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 base Urus is your Volkswagen uh, Touareg, and then it goes all the way up to the Urus, and then you got the you know the well, it's basically a, it, the Lambo Urus is very similar to the uh, the Cayenne Turbo. Yeah, basically the same engine. They're all the same. Yeah, Yeah, well, the chassis is the same. Yeah, everything's tuned differently, but yeah, the same engine, different, uh, different tuning and different boost pressures. Things like that, gearing, suspension. You don't want to be able to walk into a Volkswagen dealer and have your your Touareg make make as much power as a Lamborghini (laughs) Urus or a Cayenne Turbo. I mean, that's not good business. Um, I just thought of one more. uh, Getting away from the trucks for just a minute, one more. European classic car, modern classic, I would venture to go as the VW Phaeton, which is basically a Bentley in a Volkswagen body. They didn't make a hell of a lot of them. They had the W12 engine in it. It's an oddity, if if nothing more. Incredibly complex. Hard to find now, too. You can barely find a W12 Phaeton anywhere. But I think that's one that's got some some modern classic uh, aspirations to it. And then how about a car or a truck like the Ford Raptor? Do you think that could ever be considered a modern classic? Because it's kind of like the the newer version of an SVT Lightning because it's this high-performance mega off-road beast. It's it's a much more capable vehicle than the Lightning. The Lightning is going to be basically a one-trick pony, where the the uh, the um, you know the Lightning. Yeah, could you could you take it on a road trip? Yeah, yeah I don't know if you'd but want to, Lightning, but right. But the Lightning is uh, the uh, the Raptor is so refined where you could take it on a on a road trip. Oh, so it's you're saying you could actually to... take the Raptor? I was thinking you were saying the Raptor you would want to take on the road trip. You're oh, saying no, the, the Raptor, Lightning you would want the to. Lightning, oh, the Lightning is a, is. The Lightning is a, a smoke show. It's a, yeah. you got a you got a 380 horsepower uh, 5.4 liter blown V8, and, and it's in a pickup truck, so yeah. it's going to blow the tires off the back of it. A Raptor, because of um, advancements in technology, is refined where you can go drive it on, on a road trip. You can go off road with it, and, it, and I'm, I don't know if you know this, but they, it looks like they're getting ready to drop a V8 back in. Well, in I'm going to say because uh, right now Raptor. it's got that that. Uh, EcoTech uh, or EcoBoost. EcoBoost V6 in there, right? Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, if they put a V8 back in there, that'd be great. What would it be like, the Coyote V8, or what um, would they drop I'm not into sure there? What engine, I'm not sure what engine they're going to use, but they do have a new crate engine. It's like a 7.3 liter. Wow. I don't think they're going to go – yeah, I don't think they're going to go that crazy, but it, 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 it's very – it makes sense and sense, both spellings of the word yeah. sense. That they that they would use the GT uh, 500 uh, 760 horsepower blown 
uh, engine in that because it's already in the parts bin, so just drop it in there. Because the original, the first year for the Raptor had a 5.4, and then the next year they went right to the 6.2, and then the EcoBoost makes makes more power and is faster, but uh, I think there's a, a contingency of people that really want that V8 back in that I truck. would, yeah, I would, totally. And I always question... Well, the v, the, the, yeah, the V6 makes the power, but it doesn't make the sound. It's well, yeah, like that, like and I sound. always think, how durable is that engine going to be? The V6. Well, they make because a ton boosted, of them, so they. I know, there's but no it, bugs, there's no bugs in it. They got a, they got the engine in there. With the power that they're cranking out of that thing, you don't think long term, especially in a truck, that you uh, might have some well, some issues. How hard do you push it? It's like anything. I think else. if people it's have a Raptor, are going to beat the crap out of it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many people go and use those Fox shocks as intended. Yeah, so well, I think you see a lot of people just cruising around town, looking with. looking cool. <laughs> oh yeah, they look great. The Raptor is a great looking vehicle. It is, no yeah. It's, no, it's 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 mean looking, and, and this is a great topic that we're talking about right now, Mark. Because my buddy and I, we had a conversation about this. You got you know Dodge Ram. Of course, they had to put a, a Hellcat engine and everything, so they have the T Rex coming yeah. out. Raptor has been around for the last seven, eight model years. Where in the hell is GM? Uh, well, they got the Chevy Silverado. They have like the what the Z fifty that one, or they had some that's, kind that's, of that's a handling package. Yeah, I know, but they, they had some. R, they they had, have an RST. They have like an RST package that nobody knows about. They it had something no that's similar to that. Nothing. Yeah, not they a have, lot though. GM has, GM has nothing to compete with uh, the T Rex. Maybe they don't want to. Then the, I don't know. I yeah, it's a good question. Well, you know what they need to do? You know what they need to do first? The first thing they need to do is get that ugly face off of their pickup truck. That front end is absolutely ghastly. It's horrible. Ladies and gentlemen, this uh, editorial brought to you by Roger Rexroad. He's talking about the yeah. ugly face of the Gia, or the Chevy Silverado pickup truck. It's <laughs> ugly. You, you, I don't on, think it's Mark, that bad. That, oh, God. It, I'm never going to own one, movie, so I'm not worried about you know it. That, you, know that movie, you know that movie Goonies where they're like, hey, guys, that's what front end just, it looks that front, okay, if they've been getting their ass kicked since 1977. They, yeah. The F-150 has been the best-selling vehicle. Aren't you tired of getting your ass kicked? And now look at Dodge Ram. Dodge Ram is now kicking your ass. Yeah. Come on. Well, we'll see what happens there. If Mary Barra, the CEO of... Uh, of GM wants to email the uh, Car Guys Report, she can do so at carguysreport at hotmail.com. We know hopefully a couple of GM executives listen to our show during those big, boring meetings they have, and we'll see what happens. That editorial brought to you by Roger Rexroad. Uh, and furthermore, yeah, <laughs> yes. Your, but, but no, let me, let me get on this real quick, just real quick. That is your bread and butter. Everybody loves pickup trucks in this country. They're, they're, they're work vehicles. So maybe as a work vehicle, you may not care about how it looks, but I don't know what the percentage of work trucks are sold, but that front end on that truck is, I, I, how did that get through? I think it's just because everyone started making these, you know, Dodge basically started at Ram, you know, back in the 90s with the, with the kind of semi-truck styling up front. Dodge Ram yeah. yeah, and I just think everyone's been trying to emulate that, you know, ever since. And it's like almost like, a, you know, mine is bigger than yours thing, and they're each trying to up the ante every time. And before long, I think we'll just have a front end that's nothing but grill. 
There'll be no hood, especially when the electric cars come out, electric pickup trucks. There'll be no hood, just a giant grill. (laughs) So we'll see how that happens. Be sure to tell a friend about the Car Guys Report. I hope you're enjoying it on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts to search for Radio Misfits. You can also search directly for Car Guys Report on Google. You'll find us. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Android, Stitcher, Blueberry, and iHeartRadio. We are everywhere. Uh, podcasting with uh, the Radio Misfits Podcast Network is totally free. It's listening on your own terms, whether you're listening in the uh, park, in your car, in your office, at home, on the beach, wherever you are, whatever device you have, your phone, your laptop, your tablet, your desktop, in the car, Apple uh, CarPlay, Android Audio, whatever you got, we're there. And when you listen to us, please subscribe. You'll get an automatic push notification uh, whenever there's new content, which is every Tuesday from the Radio Misfits Podcast podcast network and remember it's listening on your own terms you can listen wherever you want whenever you want and you can fast forward rewind replay do whatever you want it's all up to you it's podcasting the radio misfits way and that's what we're all about here too on the car guys report informed automotive mark vernon along with Roger Rexrose sitting in for uh, Lou Costable as Lou takes a, a quick break. Wanted to touch briefly on uh, Lou's popular YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou. Uh, we always uh, have a short segment about uh, his uh, YouTube channel on each episode of the Car Guys Report. Lou's got over 1,500 very cool car videos on his channel, over 85,000 subscribers. And every time that Lou is on the program, we play the Car Guys Report guessing game where Lou will give me three cars that he's featured on his uh, program and on his uh, channel, and uh, I have to try to guess which one had the most views, and sometimes I'm 100% wrong, and sometimes I'm 100% right. You just never know what's going to happen, and that's what uh, makes the Car Guys Report guessing game so much fun. And if you haven't uh, checked out Lou's uh, YouTube channel, do so. My Car Story with Lou on YouTube. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, it'll be a very cool Cosworth Vega, Roads That Talk. Yes, Roads That Talk and much more. Wanted to uh, thank Roger Rexroad, our man in the field, for uh, joining us for a couple of episodes of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. As usual, Roger, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. Hope you had a good time, and uh, you can definitely count on uh, being on again here on the Car Guys Report. So thanks so much. Thank you, Mark. I had a real quick, a real quick epiphany uh, to redeem myself with the GM fans okay, out go there. Go ahead. The early, the early 1990s 454 SS pickup truck. There you, there go. you go. Good. Thanks, Roger. Always want to make sure that we're making friends as well as uh, just keeping people informed here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have had you with us. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opie is hippo, spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. It's distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, and that would be RadioMisfits.com. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other shows wherever you find podcasts, including OPIShows.com. 
Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? I'm Kimmy. I'm Tommy. And I'm Sam. And on this week's episode of And Friends, we expose ourselves in public. That's right. I got a trench coat and I'm ready to open it. Then I filmed it. I opened it up to everyone. Listen to And Friends on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. If you missed Losano or Los Los Anno and friends, here's what you missed. I thought we got over our fight from last week. We had a little tiff that was (laughs) going on. Are you still angry with me? I hope not because we're supposed to do something tonight. Oh, we are supposed to do something tonight. Oh, we we have you friends. No, we're going to. We are going to. What right. pray tell are you I'm guys all going yours. to do Tony, tonight? Tony, I'm all yours. Okay. Wow. Well, all, right. all right. That's on the record. You know. <laughs> get that in writing. Yeah. Do you want? Do you want to tell them what? I, how I asked you? Do you remember what I said? <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, he was like, it's not going to include Star Wars or sex, but hopefully it'll still be just as fun. It was probably the best text yeah. I've yeah. ever received. Ooh. Radio Misfits. Get more Lozano and friends. Losano. Now on Losano.com. Good luck trying to spell Losano or whatever the f*** it's called. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we take a look at celebrity cars that sold at auction, plus roads that talk. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Losano podcast. An OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>